G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Today we go to the murky machinations of the federal government's move to privatise our visa system and hear from grilled workers standing up against the use of trainee ships to screw young workers out of an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. But first, some union news. In the ongoing outing of several celebrity chefs as massive underpayers of their staff, we have news about Heston Blumenthal and George Kalambaris. Dinner by Heston, the high-end restaurant fronted by celebrity chef Heston Blumenthal, owes employees at least $4.5 million in what appears to be the worst case of underpayment yet in the high-end restaurant sector. At the same time as the eatery was racking up debts to its employees, Crown Casino, where it was based, was paying £1 million a year in licensing fees for the restaurant's intellectual property. Provisional liquidators BRI Ferrier say in the creditors' report that the £4.47 million owed to workers at dinner by Heston is in reality understated by an unknown factor because it was an ongoing process to calculate what they were owed. It covers the restaurant's four years of operation and includes at least $4.044 million in historic underpayments and $435,000 in accrued entitlements related to the closing of the business. In 2018, Hospo Voice, the arm of United Workers' Union, which represents hospitality workers, exposed massive wage theft at dinner by Heston, handing a complaint to the Fair Work Ombudsman showing individual workers had been underpaid by up to $35,000, often working more than 60 hours a week while on annualised salaries. Some workers reported working 80 to 90 hours per week. In December 2018, the Ombudsman raided dinner by Heston and since then has been pursuing it for millions in stolen wages. United Workers' Union National President Joanne Schofield said Crown had been complicit in the shocking exploitation of workers on its premises. Despite wage theft in the order of $4.5 million, Crown continued backing dinner by Heston through a cosy joint venture that saw them pay rent of only $1 a year. Meanwhile, hospitality workers are owed up to $35,000 after working 80 to 90 hours weeks, she said. We have requested that Crown repay all unpaid wages and entitlements owed to our members and offer employment to these members as well as sponsoring those who are on temporary visas. Tipsy Cake, which was the uh, trading name for the restaurant, appointed provisional liquidators before Christmas. It came just days after it missed a deadline from the Fair Work Ombudsman to pay staff the millions it owed them. On another issue, it has been reported that 22 businesses in George Calambaris's maid group, Empire, have just gone into voluntary administration. This business sought to 
profit off Colin Barris's name and fame, but his shocking wage theft and infamy have clearly proved to be a liability, says worker representatives. It is unclear at this stage if any of the workers owed considerable amounts of underpaid wages will see any of their pay. In South Australia, the members of the RBTU, Rail Bus Tram Union, are demanding SA Transport Minister Stephen Knoll and Premier Stephen Marshall come clean on the details of their confused and chaotic privatisation plan of the public transport system. It has recently revealed that the state government has budgeted $3 million for consultants and public servants to manage the transition to a private operator. RTBU, South Australian Northern Territory Branch Secretary Darren Phillips said Mr Marshall needed to outline the full scale of his government's planned cuts and how they would affect commuters. The fact is they have not produced any details to show how these savings will be achieved or what will be sacrificed to achieve them, Mr Phillips said. The public deserves to know how many services will be slashed, how many routes will be downgraded and how many jobs will be lost. Darren Phillips said South Australia's tram and train assets belonged to the people and the state government did not have a mandate to privatise them. The Transport Workers' Union have written to Prime Minister Scott Morrison, airports and airlines, and is holding regular talks with major airlines and airport contractors about what they're doing to protect workers in relation to the coronavirus outbreak. The union has stepped up their campaign, saying the response from airports, airlines and aviation contractors have been haphazard, with some failing to provide workers with protective equipment such as hand sanitizer. Ground handling company Swissport, which has previously been exposed for workers sleeping at airports due to low pay and split shifts, has refused to tell the TWU how it is supporting workers who service the Tiger Air flight with three confirmed cases. A worker who was a trained health and safety representative was stood down for giving advice to colleagues about their rights regarding the coronavirus. Prior to this, Qantas sent disciplinary letters to workers who ceased work on a flight from China, threatening their jobs if they did so again. Following these intimidating tactics, workers had to service the plane that had transported Australians from the epicentre of the virus and had not yet been cleaned. Workers were required to strip the plane of catering and linen without any protective eye gear or training on risk management. The TWU is demanding Qantas immediately reinstate the worker, withdraws the disciplinary letters and supports its workers with equipment and advice. In Tasmania, it is reported that one employer, Costa, during the berry picking season has housed up to 70 workers in one five-bedroom house. La Drobe Council assessed the dormitory-style property with an emergency order. Some of the issues relate to a malfunctioning wastewater treatment system that generated smells. There was concern with the number of people being accommodated at the site, Councillor Peter Freshney said. We were concerned about illegal building works and buildings being habitated that were uninhabitable, to be frank. The biggest risk to these people was in the event if the fire broke out, he said. 
given that there was effluent escaping from that residence, you can only imagine what these people have been subjected to in this slum-like living conditions, he said. ACTU's Sally McManus had said, This is what happens when laws ban unions from doing spot checks, making sure workers get their rights. Fifteen years ago, unions could check laws were being followed for all workers. Now we can't. Is it surprising we see so much wage theft and exploitation? You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. It is hard to say Happy New Year convincingly this year with the fires that have beset the continent and the federal government going along its wayward way to undermine the future of the country with unprecedented attacks on workers' rights and an underwhelming response to the climate emergency. And when you think it couldn't get any worse, you find there are other pieces of legislation making their way to the Senate which should be setting off the alarm bells. One such piece of legislation is the Liberal National Party's desire to sell off our visa system into private hands. I spoke to Melissa Donnelly, Secretary of the CPSU, the Community and Public Sector Union, about what is wrong with the potential sell-off of our visa system. The Morrison government is uh, proceeding to try to privatise Australia's visa processing system. Uh, The union, uh, we cover the workers who work in that area and we're really concerned about the implications of the plan that the Morrison government's putting forward. Privatisation would mean that a private company would own the platform by which our visas are assessed and um, dealt with. That that affects 10 million people who are seeking visas to come into this country every year. It affects a whole range of industries as well, universities, agriculture. There are a whole range of voices that are raising really significant concerns about this this outsourcing, this privatisation of a core government function. It's about security, Absolutely. This is a government that likes to talk about national security but is proposing to privatise, to sell off to the highest bidder, um, the system by which we assess visa applicants and process their, their visas. Um, it, is a, it is a huge issue in terms of both privatisation and national security and the controls by which the government um, would have over a, a privatised operation. And on a more practical level, you'd be talking about things like the cost of visas could go anywhere. That's right. The experience overseas, which the the government is refusing to uh, to listen to, has been has been exactly that. In the UK, they went down this path and they privatised the visa system. Um, within a couple of years, visas were increasing very substantially in terms of cost. Uh, but there were also really troubling examples where there was priority queues for visa applicants who could afford to pay more. This isn't the kind of Australia that that we want. This isn't the kind of system that we should uh, be using um, to assess visas. This is a core government function and it should be done within government, by government, and they should be accountable. And uh, bringing up the notion of accountability, once things go into private hands, the whole issue of accountability becomes very murky and uh, this particular area, nobody can actually do without. That's right. This is critical to a whole range of industries. It's critical to lots of Australian families and, and members of our community who have family members overseas and so on who really rely on a, a safe and functioning visa system. 
Uh, but what, what can't be promised under the privatisation of our visa system is what's going to happen to price, what's going to happen to timeliness. It is a real issue for all of the Australian community to be worried about. But also data security. Absolutely. That is another issue. Um, whenever there's privatisation that is uh, of government services, that is a real issue. Our submission to the Senate on this indicated that there were decisions where there are 27 or 28 steps that, that need to be assessed and all but one of those steps would be done by a private provider. That means that the private provider has access to information. The private provider owns the platform on, on which that information is stored and assessed. That's a real worry for lots of people, of course. Oh, it just takes my breath away. Now, there's a whole lot of other issues going on here as well, which it runs towards your 2,000 members or 2,000 workers that are going to be affected by this if it actually happened? That's right. We, we have 2,000 uh, public sector workers who would whose jobs would be on the line under this proposal. Um, we would expect those kind of job losses and at a time in the Australian economy when uh, job creation and, um, and finding new jobs, particularly in regional areas, is, is really important. And where these jobs would come from, a number of them would be outside capital cities um, in regional areas and smaller states. It's interesting too that uh, now that we're seeing this particular LNP government taking this bill called Ensuring Integrity, which is targeting unions uh, to Parliament, uh, at the same time this uh, privatisation of visa system has uncovered a quite murky underbelly to this particular government's processes. Yeah, the, the questions around the process um, for this privatisation plan just continue to mount and the Prime Minister and the senior ministers really have no answers for the Australian public. What we know is that a leading a leading bid is being led by one of Scott Morrison's personal friends and by a donor to the Liberal Party. It's now emerged that the Liberal Party um, sought to erase um, uh, records of some of his donations in the lead up to the last election which is really uh, problematic. The AEC, an independent um, agency, is now investigating how that came to pass. But what, what we're seeing is privatisation to the highest bidder of a government function, and that just happens to be the Prime Minister's friend. And we're talking $300,000 to the Liberal Party coffers. Absolutely. In the lead-up to the last election... Um, Scott Briggs, the, the bid leader for one of the leading bids for this, made very substantial donations, $300,000, 165 of which is now contested, um, but made those bids to the Liberal Party. He has been a key Liberal backer. He's been a key backer of the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, to the point that the Prime Minister is seeking to recuse himself from this process in, in selecting a, in selecting the uh, successful tenderer, which is an extraordinary situation. This raises real issues of corruption and uh, real issues about how this process has been managed and wh who's being served in the privatisation of a major government function to the friend of the Prime Minister. It actually uh, is very similar to what's happening with the Indu card, the cashless welfare card as well, in a sense, because there are uh, Liberal Party people who are behind that particular thing as well, and the privatisation of our social security sector. 
Absolutely, and that they're really troubling things, as you say, Annie, um, happening in the, the cashless welfare card. And what the Australian people should ask themselves every day when governments, when conservative governments want to privatise government functions is who really wins? Because the experience always is not the public. And there are other factors, there are other powers at play in all of these decisions which really go to, um, you know, the, the problems we're currently having in the parliament and why there should be an integrity commission. Yeah, okay, so that you're shining a light on this and you're calling for an integrity commission, but you also are telling people that uh, they should actually stand up and uh, start talking about this and uh, blocking it in the uh, government uh, forums. Absolutely. So we're, we're, in terms of parliament, we're calling on the Senate to pass legislation to block this dodgy deal to privatise the visa processing system. Uh, more broadly, um, the, the union is very supportive of an integrity commission being introduced in federal parliament. The, the events of the last couple of months demonstrate how, just how important that issue is and, and why that's critical uh, for all Australians to have confidence in, in our political system. You are on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. That's the sound of young grilled workers and their supporters in De Grave Street in the centre of Melbourne last week, outside the newest grilled store. They were angry that their work was so undervalued and that the owner of Grilled was still using what they believe is a phony traineeship scheme to underpay his workers and line his own pocket. You know, there was a, a bit of a media story late last year about the wages and conditions of Grilled and that, that was helped, uh, brought to light by Grilled workers like myself, Mitch and others here. Um, and since then, Grilled have been forced to come to the bargaining table with us and negotiate a new agreement for Grilled workers that will cover us for the next four years. Um, unfortunately, um, I've, I've been a bargaining representative myself uh, in that process and it's still ongoing but unfortunately it looks like uh, at this stage they're not willing to accept any of our claims um, that would actually substantially uh, increase you know our wages or improve our conditions for the better Um, so they've declined so far to make any changes to the traineeship system and have continued to deny that there's a problem with it and that it's exploitative um, which you know any worker will tell you is not the case uh, they've also um, failed to guarantee uh, hours. It's still a zero-hour contract that they proposed. They've failed to uh, agree to any uh, increased, um, sorry, wage increases year after year. So again, we believe that uh, if this agreement is approved as is, as Grilled have proposed it, within the next year or two, again, the wages will be falling below award level. Um, and. You know, they've said to workers, we need to hurry this process up, we need to, uh, you know, don't listen to the union, you just need to vote yes because, uh, you know, then you'll get your meagre pay increases that they've offered. Um, but, you know, if Grilled were really concerned about um, giving their workers a pay increase, why haven't they done that for the past four years? In the current agreement it says, you know, it's a Grilled's discretion whether they will offer pay rises um, and they'll take into account things like uh, inflation, changes to the cost of living, etc., Well, the past four years they haven't, and they've let their wages fall well below award level. Uh, Workers are really struggling. Workers are on $14.50 an hour, uh, and they just really haven't shown that they're willing to change that culture. So that's why we're out here.
drills for three months, but long enough to have suffered the consequences of wages lost under Simon Crow's dodgy traineeship program. For three months, at 19 years old, I've been working for $14.50 an hour. This is a high-intensity job, it is very busy, and that is not nearly enough to constitute for the work that we do. Under the new enterprise agreement that Grilled is trying to impose, this figure will only raise by 45 cents. This means that trainees like myself will be working for the sad sum of $14.95 an hour. It is hardly an increase from the already undesirable wages. It's increased. Increased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today, we must expose the grilled traineeship for what it truly is. A ruthless money-making scheme designed under a veil. A ruthless money-making scheme by Simon Crow disguised under a veil. Disguised under a veil of an ethical hip business aimed at young people to scam out of livable wages. The traineeship works like this. For six to 12 months, we're given the supposed opportunity to gain a certific certificate three in hospitality. This perhaps may be alluring to those in the work sense, but this practice is blatant exploitation. Allowing new grilled workers to work six to 12 months, which is more often the latter, on $14.95 an hour, results in thousands of dollars lost. There is an increased pressure to pick up shifts so workers can survive and support themselves. This works out well for girls. They get a minimum of 13 hours a week of cheap labor, as well as additional shifts from those underpaid trainees, just so we can afford rent, medical bills, and to survive. We can contrast this with the fact that those who have finished the traineeship uh, have no set hours compared to the 13 hours that we have ourselves. It's funny enough that these workers who have completed the traineeship cost more to have on staff. By now, it is obvious that Grilled dives, from, uh, dives and favours extremely cheap labour from, uh, from young workers. Skills learned in the traineeship aren't even applicable to our workplace. It is deemed pointless by a majority of staff, as well as the skills we need are already taught in store. It's not that difficult to learn how to slip over a rod when a customer is satisfying. A 2018 poll shows that over 90% of workers are dissatisfied with the traineeship and find it to be useless. If this doesn't speak volumes, what else will? In a grilled store meeting with a HR representative, when asked and pressured about the minimal wage increase, we were told, if you don't like it, leave. We were told to give ourselves more credit. Yes, we are already trained workers in our, in our stores, but this is empty. Evidently, we are not supposed to give ourselves more credit than $14.95 is worth. We were appalled to hear these remarks. Grilled is discrediting the fact that the so-called optional traineeship is not forced induction. This is a lie. When asked about it, our HR representative said that there are cases where the, induction, or where the um, traineeship is not forced upon as an induction. I did my induction in November, and that is not the case. Grilled is discrediting the difficulty young people have finding work in the first place. It is discrediting our devotion to our work. Simon, my question is this. Do you value your workers or not? Should a, work, should a valued worker earn less than a livable wage? How should we feel motivated to work when HR's response is to escort us to the door? And can someone please tell me how we're supposed to keep up this aggressively positive attitude of gr at Grilled at $14.95 an hour? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do not be fooled by our local matters programs. 
Do not be fooled by a healthy image. Grills does not appreciate their workers and appreciates money more than anything. And finally, as a trainee, I ask that we keep fighting for a better enterprise agreement. Say no to Grills' proposed enterprise agreement. Peace out. I'm from uh, 3CR Stick Together Show. You've come out here because you work at Grill? I used to work at Grill, an ex-employer. Okay, why is it important to be here? Just because what they're doing is so wrong, morally corrupt, and I feel like it's important we have a presence standing up for the everyday worker who's really being ripped off by this, this dodgy corporation. And uh, the union has uh, recently come into Grill, isn't it? Yes, yes. Hospital Voice has been the major voice, yeah, pushing for this kind of reform and everything with the new EBA. Yeah. And were you a member of Hospital Voice? I am a member of Hospital Voice, yes. Okay. And uh, are you happy that, that that has happened? Yes. It's good to have representation because, look, they're organising everything better than we've ever been able to do before. So it's really good to see workers coming together under a united banner. Yeah. Thanks. Do you work at Grills? I used to work at Grilled, yes. Okay, and are, are you here in support of your uh, previous uh, co cohort? Uh, yes, I definitely am. Yeah. Yeah. And are you glad that the union has uh, taken on board, the Hospital Voice has taken on board yeah, and organised? Definitely, it should have happened years ago. Yeah, my name's Annie, I'm from 3CR, Stick okay, Together yeah. Show. Can you tell me about uh, how difficult or otherwise it was to get people to be involved in... Uh, a hospital voice at uh, Grilled? Uh, at my store it was really difficult because um, recently, to cut costs, my managers have just hired a load of like 15 year olds and school children who they pay basically nothing, like $11 an hour. And so trying to communicate to these people that they should unionize for a better condition is quite hard because obviously they don't pay rent, which is understandable. They're mostly, you know, just paying, this is just pocket money for them and Grilled is happy to accommodate them by not paying them anything. So pretty hard. And we've had a massive transition of staff recently. So most of the people here from my store at least have just recently resigned. So yeah, we've got this basically a new coat of staff. They're very young. They're not really engaged with like, well, basically they're not paying rent or not paying bills. They're not really having to fight for a living wage like we are here. Also, I suppose, in a way, it's an opportunity to raise the issue of uh, collective action with such young workers. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, it's definitely, like, a, for some people, well, especially me, it's my first, like, entry into a real... I mean, I'm already a union member, but it's a really entry into a kind of uh, collective industrial bargaining and kind of... I mean, honest, I mean, most of our work is quite young, so it is quite on a small micro scale, but it is, yeah, like an introduction to those kind of things. It's quite brave to stand up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, our workers, I've had my boss tell me that I shouldn't be talking to the union or to the member or to the media or anything like this. So obviously Grilled are not happy about us uh, speaking up about how much they're screwing us over, but you know. <laughs> That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and is made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. 
My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together. Thank you.